The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Big show. Oh, big show today. Producer Joe, how are you today? You doing all right? Well, Dan, it's a big show today, babe. What can I tell you? Yeah, I was going to do it last night, but um, I wanted to wait to hear the analysis because once in a while, even though... You know, I spent all day watching Peter Stroke, the disgraced FBI supervisor involved with the Clinton, Flynn and Trump investigation up on the Hill, which was tedious, by the way, Um, watching this guy. It left me with a really bad feeling, folks. I just um, I don't know about you, but I felt slimy. I felt like I needed to wash my hands with like HIBA cleanse. You know that HIBA cleanse? It's like that pink uh a chlorine based hand wash they use before surge- <laughs> surgery sorry i swallowed some coffee before the show so forgive me i know the noises are horrible but i'm having a tough time with my my voice i swallowed the coffee down now i think into my lungs um that is not a digestive track your lungs don't have digestive capabilities but uh i just felt slimy watching this guy and it reminded me of a couple things um I've got the the takeaways, as always. In an hour, I'm going to pack in as much information as possible, and you'll be all caught up, so don't worry. All right. But from a a, a big bird's eye view, did you see any of it, Joe? I'm sure you saw some clips. I sent you some. I came away feeling like there's something wrong with this guy, to tell you the truth. Yes! Yes! Armacost! Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I've worked with bureau guys all the time. A lot. I'm saying all the time. I've worked with FBI guys frequently. And ladies. I, I, they're a great bunch. They are. They're very skilled. But I've seen a strain at the management level of the federal government, not just the FBI, by the way. I'm not singling them out. And the Secret Service as well. Right. A strain of ego um, because the power you have is incredible. I've seen it up on the Hill in Congress, too. But. You know, that Lord Acton quote, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, is true. What I see there is evidence of Joe almost, um, it sounds weird, but almost like sociopathic behavior. Uh, the narcissism was, uh, Nar- was Yeah, like I, I don't mean it in like a Ted Bundy serial killer way. I mean it in that he doesn't seem to understand consequence to his behavior. Yeah. It's, that, you know, I could what, put the words book, to it. Uh, what's the name of the book? Um Oh, it's one of the best books ever. Scott Peck, who uh, who was uh, was a I think he died, Scott Peck, but he was a Harvard trained psychiatrist. He wrote some brilliant books. Um, one of his books is called The People of the Lie. And he talks about the 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 definition of people who are evil. And we tend to associate that term again with, you know, serial killers and the like yeah. that. That that's not what I'm saying. Don't misinterpret that. And you'd be right; those people are evil, there's no doubt. But he talks about another kind of evil, and an evil based almost solely in narcissism. It's a really tremendous book where he talks about case studies, and he gives you these characteristics of people who fit the definition of evil that you run into every day in their lives. And one of them is everything is framed in terms of the in terms of the effect on that person, because the world only revolves around them. In other words, when they're sorry, they're only sorry that they got caught. Yeah. Um, you know, when they when when he gives those answers, it's always framed in terms of his patriotism. His patriotism. Just come out and say you're wrong. Patriotism. You screwed the whole country over. The guy struck me as a bit of a sociopath. The looks, the the hubris, the the uh, the unnecessary, almost in some cases, unearned sense of pride with this guy. I mean, for a guy who single-handedly, well, not single-handedly, but being the supervisor on these cases, almost single-handedly screwed up three of the most important investigations of our lifetime, he certainly has a big ego. My goodness. All right, so let's get to the takeaways. First, before we get to that, today's show brought to you by We The People Holsters. We The People Holsters are my favorite holsters out there. Super comfortable. You adjust them for comfort. Very durable. Perfect fit. And this month, they're showing some love to our female listeners. Ladies, it's sad and unfair. You have to be vigilant 24-7 in regards to your personal safety. Guys, too. Conservative women are facing unique obstacles lately in defense of their beliefs alongside their right to self-defense. Don't let your experiences go discounted due to the political climate or because of leftist identity politics. As a husband and a father, I want all the women in my family to be properly prepared for if and when scenarios. We the People Holsters makes custom-made holsters right here in the United States. 
They don't use any crappy third-party molds. They do their own designs in-house. They change the designs by the month. They measure every single nook and cranny of that firearm to get an absolutely perfect fit. You get that little click when it goes in there. You know it's safe and secure. It has an adjustable can, adjustable ride. They design their own clip. It has four holes that match up with four on the holster. So you can adjust the can and the ride so you get maximum comfort. Adjustable tension. You want it in there a little bit more secure. One screw, you turn it, you're done. You want the firearm a little bit looser in there, you can adjust the screw again. Very simple. They have custom printed designs in-house. Thin blue line, the thin red line, the camo, American flag, Constitution, and more designs coming out each month. They have designs for the ladies, too. They're priced at just $34. Every holster comes with a lifetime guarantee. Every holster ships free. And if it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a refund. But you won't have to because it will be a perfect fit. WeThePeopleHolsters.com slash Dan. Go to WeThePeopleHolsters.com slash Dan. That's WeThePeopleHolsters.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan and you'll get $10 off your first holster. That makes it just $24. You can't beat that. Okay. So now, uh, psycho uh, amateur hour psychoanalysis done. <laughs> Let's get to the real nuts and bolts. Joe, we have some sound from you. Yeah, man. First, uh, sorry for the quality of this one. I had to hunt it down fast and I had so many. So this was, uh, it's not the best. Joe did the best he could. But this is... Congressman Louis Gohmert pointing out an obvious character flaw in this guy in his testimony when he claims to be uh, this man of integrity, uh, a, a big, obvious, glaring character flaw. And Louis Gohmert, congressman from Texas, just absolutely fillets him. Ben, for a moment, is the disgrace. And it won't be recaptured anytime soon because of the damage you've done to the justice system. And I've talked to FBI agents around the country. You've embarrassed them. You've embarrassed yourself. And I can't help but wonder when I see you looking there with a little smirk, how many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, this is outrageous. Credibility of a witness Shame is always on. an Mr. issue. Mr. Chairman, please. You Mr. Chairman, this is an intolerable harassment of the witness. What's wrong with that? You need your medication. The gentleman controls the time. Take the gloves off. Take the gl- Good for Louis Gomer. Yeah. Going after this guy. Listen, folks, we're all sinners, but not all of us are sinners in charge of one of the biggest investigations or three of them in the modern history of the United States government. Good for Gomert. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because that's more of a personal one. Gomert went after him. And the reason, in case you don't understand the history of what was behind that, uh, Agent Stroke, who he is questioning there, was engaged in an extramarital affair with one of the FBI lawyers, and they were both involved with the investigation of Donald Trump. You're probably familiar with that. But that's why he brought that up. And good for him for taking the gloves off while the while the liberals, let the liberals celebrate this guy, because we're certainly not going to. All right. Not a lot to add on that one, other than it was some necessary. Uh, it's time. for Folks, the gloves are off, all right? The Democrats are playing hardball. They engaged in a nonstop obstruction effort yesterday. Did you notice, by the way, anytime any substantive answer came up, Sheila Jackson Lee or someone else, Cicilline, whatever his name is from um, from Rhode Island, the congressman, the two liberals, every time, Joe, they got close. Uh, they, there was some call for order, some call to obstruct the uh, the proceedings. The Democrats know we're onto something. I'm going to tell you what we're onto. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to hit another highlight of this. This is Congressman uh, Congressman John Ratcliffe. He's actually on Fox now, who I am starting to like more and more every day. Congressman John Ratcliffe, who is an attorney, hammering Peter Stroke about his fake, feigned red line between his personal beliefs and his professional actions. Now, just to be clear, what we're talking about here. Stroke, although we have all his text saying how much he hates Trump, they can smell Trump supporters. Trump's awful. They're going to blank Trump. They're going to impeach Trump. You can fill in the blank. You know what that means uh, with his with his uh, love interest, Lisa Page. Despite all of those texts, he is still insisting there was no bias in the case and it did not filter into his professional behavior. Well, Congressman Ratcliffe finds an interesting little problem with that line of uh line of thinking he's trying to propagate there of the approximately 50,000 text messages that I've seen with your personal beliefs like F Trump stop Trump impeach Trump go ahead and confirm on the record that none of that occurred on an official FBI device or on official FBI time go ahead and do that 
Sir, no, they did. Many of them did. Oh, they did. And I would say okay, so fifty thousand, uh, sir. So, so really, no. I'll give you a chance at the end. So, what you really meant to say was that when you said you never crossed that bright, inviolable line, what you meant to say was, except for fifty thousand times, except for hundreds of times of day where I went back and forth. Expressing my personal opinions about effing Trump and stopping Trump and impeaching Trump on official FBI phones on official FBI time. Other than that, you never cross that line. I'm sure there are 13,000 FBI agents out there that are beaming with pride at how clearly you've drawn that line. Agent Strucker, you're starting to understand why some folks out there don't believe a word you say and why it's especially troubling that you, of all people, are at the center of the three highest profile investigations in recent times that involve President Trump and that you were in charge of an investigation investigating, gathering evidence against Donald Trump, a subject that you hated, that you wanted to F him, to stop him, to impeach him. And do you see why that might call into question everything you've touched on all of those investigations? Chairman, uh, I'm done with this witness and I yield back. Bingo! That's exactly what needed to be said. Ladies and gentlemen, the liberal point of view on this is, well, you know, strokey, after those texts were discovered by Bob Mueller, those texts about impeaching Trump, you know, blank Trump, screw Trump, we hate Trump, get rid of Trump, all this other stuff, how we're going to stop Trump, how he not only do those on professional work devices in the FBI, his, his, work, uh, his work-based system, folks, this guy had already been involved in the three cases. Folks, please hear me out on this one because liberals keep bringing up things that are factually incorrect because they're liars. That's all they have, okay? All they have is a bedrock of lies to build their their their, their, their house of deception on. Peter Stroke had already been intimately involved in these cases. How would you feel, Joe, if we arrested you for a bank robbery you didn't commit? Mm -hmm. And then we said, oh, by the way, the guy who arrested you for the bank robbery you didn't commit and was the agent involved in the prosecution and investigation of you. Don't worry, Joe. After you were prosecuted, we removed him from the case because we found out he had a personal grudge against you and was texting uh, a woman he was having an affair with. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Right. A little bit kind of too bad, so sad. I mean, that's all we're supposed to think about this. He had already been involved in these things, folks. He'd already been involved in the interview of Mike Flynn in the Hillary Clinton investigation. This was not a low level FBI agent. He was the number two SES level senior executive service, the government benighted class, number two person in the counterintelligence division. He was sending these on his per as as, uh, his professional device, his FBI device. Now. There's another takeaway from this, and I'm going to get to more. I'm, I'm not done with this. This is there, that yesterday's hearing was just a, a staggering in its breath. I sat here all day, like riveted, at the same time disgusted and upset. It's just infuriating. This whole case it just drives me nuts. It seems like nothing ever gets done, folks. This guy is a senior level spy catcher in the United States government. I think his career had spanned 26 years, 26 years. I'm only 43 years old. More than half of my life, this guy has been a spy catcher in the FBI. You would think this man would be exhibiting good tradecraft, tradecraft, skills, right? Skills like tradecraft is an outfielder in baseball. You know, you take the crow hop, you learn how to circle uh, the pop up and get to it. So you're, you're facing home plate to throw tradecraft. People in the spy catching game display tradecraft as well. What kind of tradecraft, folks, is it for a senior level U.S. government spy catcher in the most powerful law enforcement agency agency in the world to be sending 50,000 derogatory personal texts with very sensitive information over an FBI device so that everybody can later on read it and download it? It says to me, not only does this guy have sociopathic tendencies and narcissistic ones, but he's an idiot, too. Think about what I'm telling you. This is a one of the most high-level spy catchers we have in the U.S. government. He's sending information over an FBI device, folks, about an affair he's having with a colleague. Probably sending some explicit stuff as well. He's sending this over an FBI device knowing it can all be used later. 
He's also sending it on iMessage and other non-encrypted stuff, information that can be used to potentially blackmail the guy. And his take back, Joe, by the way, when asked about that is... Mm -hmm. Listen, I love the United States. I could never be blackmailed. That's not the point. The point is you don't give someone an easy in to do it. This isn't hard to figure out, folks. You don't go overseas, uh, you know, in, with the Secret Service on a foreign advance when I was there. Uh, by, whatever, by hash from a local where well, you can be blackmailed, and I go, oh, you know what? I could have been blackmailed, but don't worry. It's not me. I I, I have enough uh, you know, psychological and mental fortitude to resist that. Why did you give him ammo in the first place is the question. This is amateur hour romper room tradecraft. So takeaway number one, Gomer decimates his uh, personal credibility on this. Just destroyed it in that because the guy clearly had no answer for that based on his personal behavior while involved in the case. Second, John Ratcliffe the, dismantles his uh, Peter Stroke's fake red line. His red line, Joe, I would never cross my personal beliefs into my professional behavior. He was doing this on his FBI device during work time. That uh, I throw it out. The, whatever he told you is false. He was doing this on his professional time. Bingo. That's it. That, that, all that is nonsense. Now, here comes the coup de grace. This is... um. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out how I can express to you the gravity of what happened here. Let me set this up first. We're going to go to Jim Jordan next, who's a really terrific guy, congressman from Ohio. And by the way, I apologize the other day again. I said Chris Simpson for the 6,000th time. I know it's Glenn Simpson. I appreciate the emails. It's just, (laughs) let's just say there was a work colleague I had. (laughs) That was his name. So I constantly want to... You know, it'd be like if I met a guy named Bobby Armacost, I would automatically have to call him Joe. You know, so that's why I keep. So, so forgive me. Old I mean, habits I mean, die hard. My oh friend. my yeah. gosh, do they ever? I know it's um, I know it's Glenn Simpson. So the the big takeaway from this case, the Spygate debacle, has always been, folks. How did the case start? If you're a regular listener to the show, you understand that we have no coherent longitudinal story that makes sense back to a point zero about how this case started as I've, I've i've tried to frame it in terms of what i call paragraph one when you are a federal agent you are required to write memoranda on these cases memorandum reports these memorandum reports in the Secret Service, we call them MRs, not surprisingly, for memorandum reports. Hey, did you write the MR? <laughs> they have paragraph one. It's not a formal, it's, just, it's literally paragraph one, the first paragraph. The first paragraph will always describe to you, will always describe to you in that first paragraph how the case started. It's not complicated. A bank fraud investigator called, said he had some stolen credit cards, whatever it may be. Paragraph one is always easy to decipher. The problem, the consistent problem with the spy case against Trump, whether it was the FISA against Carter Page, the prosecution or investigation of Papadopoulos, people associated with the Trump orbit, has been there is no consistent answer to paragraph one. Nobody can tell you exactly what hard evidence was used to open the case. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a big problem for the very obvious reason. If we started a case with no evidence, then we have a witch hunt. We don't have a case. You don't target a person and build the case later. You get evidence, and then you target the person based on the evidence that that person may be guilty of a crime, not the other way around. Makes sense, right? Now, forgive me for reiterating that again, because I've had to say that over and over, but that's why this upcoming uh, Jim Jordan question is so critical. Jim Jordan knows stuff. Yeah. Jimmy J. Jimmy J. He's the opposite of shift A. Yo. Jimbo! Jimbo! Jimbo's the opposite. Jimbo's the good. (laughs) Jimbo's like the anti-shifty. Anti-shifty. Jimbo! (laughs) Jim Jordan knows stuff, folks. Jim Jordan has read the documents. And it's interesting because at one point during the testimony, Stroke actually says to him, I think you know the answer to this. What am I getting at here? Jordan knows. I'm reasonably confident Jordan knows exactly how this case started. 
And now we get a huge answer yesterday as to how paragraph one, how the mechanics of paragraph one worked. In other words, paragraph one in, say, a Secret Service case would say, bank investigator Billy Shaw contacted me about some stolen credit cards that were used at a Home Depot in Long Island, right? The mechanics of paragraph one are what? I received a call from Billy Shaw. That's the mechanical portion of that. That's what got the wheels turning, in other words, the call. And then the crime is described in the next sentence. The credit cards. You get it, Joe? One of the big questions about paragraph one in this case, Joe, if we can break it down into a twofer, is what was the crime alleged? But how did the information of the alleged crime actually get to the FBI? Because remember, remember, this is why I'm here to decipher this for you. Devin Nunes gave an interview to Maria Bartiromo about a month and a half ago that we covered on this show where Devin Nunes was crystal clear. Don't forget this, that there was no official intelligence used to start this thing. Listen to me. Paragraph one. There was no official intelligence used to start this thing, this investigation into Trump. So now we know, if we break it down into mechanics and allegations, how the, how, oh, Joe, are we clear? Am I explaining this? Okay. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Maria's reaction? She was Maria's a dad, rea- right? Maria Bartiromo was like, wait, wait, what? what? You started an investigation into Trump and there's not a scintilla of <laughs> on the record official intelligence? Yes, you're right. It's a good, good point. Maria Bartiromo, skilled, skilled journalist, was like, wait, what? So just to be clear, paragraph one, that part is bad enough that the allegations are not even official allegations. They're just like hearsay. But the other critical takeaway as a federal former federal investigator, I'm telling you that's important, is the actual mechanics. Who did the call? Who called who? Who told who? The allegations. Who said it? That has been a stinging thorn in the caboose of the FBI who will not admit it. Okay, now get to Jordan because Jordan sniffs out a rat here and he starts probing and then I'll explain to you what this means in a second. This is an email you wrote to Lisa Page, Bill Priestep, Jim Baker, Jim Rabicki and, and CC'd Andy McCabe. Subject line is BuzzFeed's, BuzzFeed's about to publish the dossier. You familiar with this email? I am. All right says this, comparing now, the set is only identical to what McCain had, parentheses, it has differences from what was given to us by Corn and Simpson. Do you write all that? Uh, Congressman, I'd, oh, let me answer it this way. The first, if I could uh, address the chairman. Uh, over the break, I was authorized I'm by the Mr. general counsel. If- hang on, hang on a second. I just want my time stop. you could. Are you addressing me or the chairman? I'd uh, like to address the chairman. The time, this it, is all going to come together in, in an answer. Is there a question you want to direct? No, it's something I, I wanted to answer your question from earlier based on something I've been told by the FBI. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I think I'm aware of what the FBI told you, and you and I will have another chance to talk about that. But right now, the gentleman from Ohio controls the time. You wrote this. That was the question. Uh, so, obviously, wait, 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 you have it. The, do you see the so, from? So Congressman, here's, 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 here's the my, from line. Do you see the from line? Congressman, I do. It says I Peter Strzok. And then it says to Lisa Page and a whole bunch of other key people at the FBI. So did you write it? I did write this. All right. Let me ask you a couple questions about it. It has differences from what was given to us by Corn and Simpson. Who's Corn? Uh, sir, to answer that question, and I would love to answer that question. And every part of me, and you know why I'd want to answer that question, because you have this information. Who's Simpson? I have been, sir, if I may. I cannot answer that question. You wrote about it. It's, the, now, it's now public. Who's Corn? Who's Simpson? Based on direction by the FBI, sir, I am not able to answer questions about okay, ongoing so- investigative matters. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, if you know, if listen, if you're a listener to this show... That is one of the juiciest sound bites in the history of congressional <laughs> testimony. Listen, if you're not, you probably think there's a couple tidbits in there, but maybe you can't decipher it. If you don't care about the case at all, that's meaningless to you. I'm telling you that that thing is so chock full of information that it, it blows the lid off this entire case. Let's break it down uh, piece by piece, okay? Mm-hmm. Number one, the mechanics of this thing are now starting to come into play. 
it now appears because Jim Jordan, I remember Jordan knows Jordan knows Jordan is a red in member of Congress who has seen documents you and I have not seen. Jordan has seen the mechanics. Remember what I'm talking about. Who called the FBI, contacted the FBI, who not what they said yet that we'll get to that in a second. Who actually did it? Paragraph one mechanics. I'm trying to make this super simple in story format. Paragraph one mechanics are key because it's going to put people's butts in a chair and they're going to say, wait, you took the call and you ran with this based on what? Based on some rumor and innuendo from some anti-Trump hater? You understand, right, why the mechanics are important. Forget the allegations for a minute. The allegations are the dossier. The memo. Trump did that, that. The sexual escapades. He sold out to the Russians. Those alle- those are all garbage. Okay, Forget the allegations for a minute. We'll get to that in a second. The mechanics here are key because of accountability. If we can find out who decided to hit the send button when they said, I need a case open, now we can get to the bottom of asking, well, why the did you do that? This is garbage information. It's not even, according to Devin Nunez, official intelligence. This is garbage. Where'd you get this information from? The you know the guy in the 7-Eleven on the corner you met in the parking lot? Folks, understand how critical this is. Jordan gets it. Jordan's not asking him a question there. Jordan is telling the public what he already knows. Yeah. And by the way, Stroke acknowledges yeah. Jordan already knows it. He goes, sir, I think you know the answer to this. Jordan says to him, you got this on your email from a reporter? David Korn at Mother Jones? That's not even a serious outlet. Mother Jones is a radical left-wing bunch of wackadoodles. Do you understand what I'm telling you? (laughs) A left-wing reporter is one of the people who contacted the FBI. But By the way, he doesn't deny it. He has some dispute over the timeline, but Korn does not deny that he contacted the FBI about this information. Mechanics. Mechanics matter. Now, I have here. Critical takeaway. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, we're going to scrap some reads today. Out of respect for you, I, I'm... And I, I loved getting paid as well as the next guy, but this is the, one of the more important shows I've done in a while. So don't worry. There's not going to be any more commercial breaks, okay? This is for you. We're going to leave some dough on the table because I have a lot to get to. Mechanics here matter. Mechanical point number one. Liberal journalist David Korn, radical leftist, is one of the people who contacted the FBI with that information. Number two. Who else contacted the FBI? Keep in mind, David Korn, Joe, not official, right? Yeah. David Korn is not a CIA operative. He is not an operative for for uh, any kind of foreign intelligence enterprise that's a friend of ours. David Korn is a radical leftist fake journalist. Yeah. He's mechanical friction point number one. Point number two, mechanical friction point. Glenn Simpson, a.k.a. Chris Simpson on this show. <laughs> Glenn Simpson. Who's Glenn Simpson? Jordan says this. Stroke almost acknowledges it. He's like, I think you know the answer, Mr. Jordan. Of course he knows the answer. Jordan's not stupid. Glenn Simpson was an oppo research company that was working for Hillary Clinton. Wait, 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 wait. Come again on this? So mechanical friction point between the FBI and another entity responsible for generating information. Point number one is a liberal journalist. Friction point number two is Hillary Clinton's oppo researcher. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I just uh, what what planet is this? I, 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 you know what, Joe? I know where you. I know the answer. Don't even because I know what's in your head right yeah. now. What were you gonna do? You, were you gonna say something? No. You're, Oh, okay. No, All right. I, no. Knowing you, like you don't I know want to know you, what's in f- my head. <laughs> uh, yes, I, yeah, I know. I'm afraid. I, I had a feeling you were going there with it because you've brought up this planet before. <laughs> whenever I've been, so friction <laughs> point. <laughs> yes, now you know what I'm talking about. Oh, because I, yes, it's gone off the rails completely here. Friction point number three. There are three three friction points between the FBI mechanics. Paragraph one mechanics. John McCain. John McCain, 
McCain's team hates Donald Trump. Trump had taken a shot at him. Uh, the, 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 there was a POW comment. McCain hated Trump. McCain's team couldn't stand him. That's the third friction point between the FBI and the information. Again, it's not official intelligence. You may say, well, John McCain is an official. John McCain is a politician. No different than Hillary Clinton was running for office. Now, Hillary Clinton wasn't elected. McCain had a position. But they are politicians. McCain is not an intelligence official. He is a politician. He is not a CIA member. Because he has a clearance, him and his team were not intelligence people. They were not investigators. They had no law enforcement or intelligence duty other than oversight. They're not generators of intelligence. Folks, I'm going to tease you on something in the book, and I hate to do this because someone will, but given that the manuscript's in and it's we're, getting, we're going to print, I'm, I'm going to tease you on something. If someone steals, steals it, that's fine, but that's what we were afraid of because my co-author uncovered something. One of the reasons McCain's team got involved is going to become really transparent in the book. And it's not just the fact, and I, I, I'm i going to take the edge off it. It's not just that McCain didn't like him and McCain's team didn't like Trump. They don't like a lot of people. There was an actual substantive reason I believe we may have uncovered. We put some press reports together and some public statements and... There's an actual policy impact that was very sensitive to McCain. And it will describe and it will give you, I believe, what could have been a motive for some of this behavior. It wasn't just a personal animus towards Trump. And by the way, I'm not making this up for the sense, you know, for the sake of just unnecessarily teasing stuff. I don't care. This, you know, I don't need the money from this book or anything. It's a work of passion more than a work of financial necessity. But nobody has yet to point to a motive in this case. Now, we know Hillary's motive. Yeah. She wanted to be president. But when it comes to McCain and the British role in this and the foreign intelligence entities, nobody point. Oh, oh, well, they just didn't like Trump. Really? So the United Kingdom and John McCain were willing to risk their entire political careers on getting this guy booted out of office and prosecuted by the FBI all because they didn't like him. They don't like a lot of people. They don't like a lot of people, but they've never gone that far. There was a reason, folks. There was going to be some kind of a policy change. I'll I'll be able to explain more over time, but it'll make all kinds of sense. Okay, so now the mechanical friction points matter. We know in paragraph one, not only was there no official intelligence, but almost all of the intelligence that came in was at a minimum politically motivated. At a minimum, at a maximum, like I said, it's worse. And there may have been other motives that are that are just as interesting and fascinating. But we know the mechanics of paragraph one are troubling. Now, this is important. Someone asked me to put that on a shirt. I saw. Yeah. Jim Jordan. Yeah. Hits him up. uh, Peter Stroke in that clip again. And asked him, how many versions of the dossier are there? Oh, oh, this is an interesting point. And Stroke, Stroke doesn't know what to say. Stroke turns around to the FBI counsel, his personal lawyer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is important, but I'm noticing a, an interesting, uh, man, interesting maybe the wrong word, because um, it may be deliberate. A curious effort by the media to make that question go away and even some conservative outlets that have been all over this case are missing why that question matters joe if there were three versions of the dossier maybe more versions would imply what joe that they're different yeah different versions different (laughs) different different versions (laughs) that's what that's essentially what versions mean (sighs) ladies and gentlemen have we seen the real FBI version of what they were using? What? Another version. Another version of this case. How how bad is that third or fourth or sixth version? In other words, we've seen the, the dossier, so you understand what it is. I, I, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I'm assuming all of you know it, and may, you may not. The Fusion GPS Christopher Steele generated dossier, which is a Hillary Clinton campaign document. It was paid for by them. 
was not paid for by the Republicans. It was paid for by Hillary Clinton is a series of 17 memorandums put together by Christopher Steele. They're memos. They're, 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 they're like letters to self. The dossier contains explosive information that has never been verified. Some of it's just factually false. And it alleges Trump colluded with the Russians. It alleges also some something about there's a tape out there of Trump involved in all this, this nasty behavior. That stuff has all largely been debunked. We've been assuming the entire time that that BuzzFeed dossier is, in fact, the authoritative dossier that the FBI was using. What if it wasn't? (laughs) Uh, Folks, I'm not messing with you. I'm not like doing, uh, you know, I don't like uh, drama for effect here, but do you understand the ramifications of that if we have been smoked up the entire time? That there may be another dossier out there with even more explosive stuff that's most likely garbage. Another version. <laughs> you can't get that kind of comedy. This is, I love, you know, I love other conservative podcasts, I can say, yeah. but the mistake is they don't have a sidekick. <laughs> you need a sidekick. How do you do this show without a sidekick? Joe makes the show. I'd be lost without him. <laughs> I even have producer Denise on the NRA TV show doing the same thing. She doesn't even like it half the time. Like I'm like, it. I'm sorry. I need a sidekick. It's my thing. Now, think about this, though, Armacost. Right. Why is this important? Yeah. The dossier we've been assuming is the document the FBI was using to go after Trump, basing their FISA warrant on the memos I just told you about. That the reason we may have been head faked the whole time. Now, this is going to get a little complicated. You may have to listen to this part twice, and I'm sorry. Hit the 15-second back button. But the reason I think we may be getting head faked is this. Jim Clapper, Barack Obama's director of national intelligence, his right-hand guy, uh, maybe his left-hand guy. Brennan's his right-hand guy. Clapper's his left-hand guy. Needless to say, he is in Obama's inner circle of intelligence, right? Jim Clapper asks Comey after the election, of Donald Trump asks Comey to go up and brief Donald Trump on that dossier, Joe, the BuzzFeed dossier, the, BuzzFeed the, dossier. the one we've all been assuming is the authoritative dossier. Mm-hmm. OK, Clapper asks him to go up there, Comey. Now, this is critical because Clapper's then caught in a let's call it a, a, a mistruth to use the D.C. political kind of verbal judo. Clapper tells people uh, on on camera, we've played this clip multiple times, that he had no knowledge of the dossier. He wasn't involved in the dossier. We find out later that he told an investigative committee up on the Hill that he did know about the dossier. And we find out from Jim Comey that it's Clapper who asked Comey, the FBI director, to go up and brief Trump about the dossier. Mr. Trump, I'm Jim Comey from the FBI. I'm here to tell you about this series of memos that says some really disturbing things about you. Now, Comey leaves out details and only gets to the sexual escapade stuff, leaves out the other stuff, which is in and of itself. I could do a whole show on that. I believe the essence of that is because he didn't want Trump to worry about the investigation they were conducting into him because Trump might have shut it down. But that's a whole other story. But that's the takeaway. That's all you need to know. But for the purpose of the head fake here. This is important because Clapper then insists he had nothing, no media contacts about the dossier. He tells a House committee, uh, excuse me, up on the Hill, he tells a committee up there that he did, in fact, contact CNN about it, that he spoke with CNN about the dossier. Yeah. CNN, they are fake news, but they don't want to be sued. So CNN could not report on the dossier because it was unverified garbage. But CNN needed a hook. Matter of fact, it's even this this is even the language used by these guys. CNN needed a hook because they wanted to report about the dossier. Oh my God, look, Trump, there's allegations he's he's cavorting with the Russians, uh, you know, to, uh, colluding with the Russians to take down the United States. People in the Obama administration, likely Clapper, let CNN then know about the uh, the the uh, Comey 
Trump briefing on the dossier, and it's the briefing itself which is used as the news hook to report about the dossier. You get it? Yeah. Oh, we're not reporting on the dossier. We're just reporting on this meeting. But look, here's what this crazy dossier says. Oh, my gosh. You don't want to read this, folks. It's like Ren and Stimpy, but don't push the red button. Don't read it. Don't push the red button. And poor Ren's like, ah, ah. I think it was Stimpy pushing the red <laughs> button. And he got to push it. The whole world explodes. Don't read the dossier that Comey briefed him on. That becomes a story. After that, BuzzFeed runs with the dossier and prints it. What if the whole time that was the head fake designed to keep attention away from another dossier? (laughs) Oh, boy. You see how that Jim Jordan cut is chock full of just delicious information that if you... Ding, 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 tap on your skull. You start to investigate these things and hear these things out. Now, we know there are multiple versions. That's not in dispute. I'm telling you, maybe they put out the least ridiculous version, briefed Trump on it, used BuzzFeed and CNN to get it out there as a head fake to distract investigators from the dossier they actually used, which is even more ridiculous and will make the FBI look even more foolish. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Because this is a critical, critical point. That both, remember, paragraph one, we are assuming the whole time that the BuzzFeed dossier was the dossier used as the staple of this investigation into Trump. Why do we know that? Because the allegations appear in the FISA warrant against Carter Page. The allegations appear in the Harry Reid letter to John Brennan. In other words, those specific memoranda, the Steele dossier, the information appears over and over in Democrat circles and FBI documents. I'm telling you, what if there's more a more ridiculous dossier, one that's even more salacious and insane that is going to make the FBI look like idiots? And that's what they're actually hiding by leaking to the press the head fake dossier from Steele to get all our attention on that. In other words, we screwed up. We started an investigation on crap information. But if we're going to start an investigation on crap information, we better leak to the public the least crappy information, Joe. Because if we've leaked the real crappy information, we are going to look like a bunch of craftsmen. And by craftsmen, I mean toolboxes. (laughs) You know what? Let me... People like this. Let me give you an analogy to explain what I'm trying to tell you. Because you got to get this. I don't like Joe. I want to start an investigation into Joe. I need fake information, okay? Mm -hmm. I have three people providing me fake information. The most fake information is also the most damaging. Joe is a space alien from Mars who is engaged with um, David Duchovny in a plot to infect the human race with the Armacost virus and take over planet Earth. And I start an FBI investigation into that. <laughs> who is the least of your problems? <laughs> what is it? it reminds me of uh, what Rocky too when he spits in the bucket. And, and again, is, is that all you got? Who uh, you know? Now I have two other people who have information. So I started an information based on an absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, I'm doing it only because I want to investigate Joe, not because I actually believe Joe's David Duchovny X Files plot. Okay. Now other people start feeding me information about Joe. And the third person who who's irrelevant. I just want to start an investigation into Joe. I don't care. Now I'm about to get caught. And of the three people, one guy says, hey, I think Joe robbed the 7-Eleven two weeks ago. It didn't happen. But it's at least could happen, right? We know the, the virus X-Files thing is so dumb that if, if I were to even put it down on paper, I would look like an idiot. Yes. So now later on in the reverse engineering of the crime, I go, oh, well, listen, I got a tip. Joe may have robbed the 7-Eleven. Joe, it at least seems believable, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, not if you know Joe, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's physically possible. There's just, Joe, there is a 7-Eleven. I know where you live. Yeah, there's no UFO involved. Nothing like that. Exactly. You right. get my point. Why not leak the document about Joe robbing the 7-Eleven so nobody pays attention to the X-Files David Duchovny story so they don't sit there and go, wait, are you idiots kidding me? You started an investigation into Joe because you think he's working with Agent Mulder on a virus to take over planet Earth? 
Do you understand what I think is happening? This is why the Jim Jordan tidbit is so juicy. How many versions of the dossier were there? Have we even seen the most ridiculous ones? Or are we being head faked the whole time by Clapper and Comey to pay attention to the least ridiculous of the ridiculous memos? Are there memos out there that are even worse that when they're exposed, now does it make sense why the FBI is hiding this, that when they're exposed are going to make the agent investigators look even dumber than they look now? Now, does it also make sense? Thank you. Does it also make sense why stroke in that the Jordan thing is juicy? It's the infinity stone stones of this whole thing. Stroke says to him at one point, Jim Jordan, who knows, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan knows. Jimbo, he, he the anti-shifty. He knows. He know he's read the he under he's not asking a question there, Jordan. He's letting the American people know the debacle he's about to expose. Now does it make sense why Stroke says to him, There's nothing more I'd like to tell you than to talk. He says that later, and I think in that clip he kind of hints to it too. There's nothing more I'd like to do than to tell you the answer to this question. But the FBI won't let me. Ladies and gentlemen, I actually believe Stroke here. Why? What's going on? I don't think Stroke was on the receiving end of those mechanical friction points. I don't think paragraph one says FBI, whatever, assistant director, whatever he was, Stroke received those phone calls from Corn, from McCain, or from Glenn Simpson. Why does that matter? For as much as I think Stroke is an absolute narcissist and I think has has destroyed the reputation of the management of the FBI in this case. By the way, it's something else I want to regress, regress later. For as much as I believe that, I think Stroke is tired of being dragged here. I think someone else in the FBI received those phone calls and Stroke is itching. Itching to tell those congressional committees and that Senate committee who it was. That is what the FBI is hiding here. The FBI is hiding not only that there were multiple versions of this, probably ranging from absurd to ridiculous to outright hysterical. And they're also hiding the personnel who were on the receiving end of those phone calls. They're hiding those personnel. Because once those personnel are put in the hot seat, they are not going to have any good answer as to why they picked up the phone and entertained the David Duchovny X-Files virus conspiracy with Joe Armacos. They're not going to have any out, folks. None. Someone is going to say to them, you're a trained FBI counterintelligence spy catcher. You picked up the phone or met with someone about allegations of Donald Trump trying to take over the world through an alien virus, and you didn't know it was BS? They're not going to have anything to say. The Bureau is hiding it. They're hiding the versions and they're hiding the people. And I think in Stroke's rare moment of honesty there, that Stroke is tired of having his name dragged through this whole thing. And remember, it's him because, it, and it's really been, the highlight's been on him because we have his texts. We right. don't have the other texts. He is probably tired of it. And that's why he says to Jordan, by the way, repeatedly, I don't have time to go through all the sound, but you can rewind it and you'll hear, mm-hmm. you'll hear his tone. I think he's right. He says repeatedly throughout yesterday's testimony, there is nothing more I would like to do than to tell you how many versions of it and who took them. I think he's right. I'm telling you, I don't think he's lying. I think in his head, he's like, screw this. I'm tired of being the only one on the hot seat. Go get Agent Joey Bag of Donuts up here, too, because he's the one who took the X-Files version of the dossier and wound up starting a case. Hey, Mom! The meatloaf! (laughs) 
That okay. That was the most perfectly timed drop in the history of the Dan Bongino show. I did not <laughs> I backed away from the mic a second because I'm trying to figure out where to go next. Because there's three or four more uh takeaways here, and I don't want to miss them. And Joe, of course, slips in the meatloaf. If that, I don't know if that's trade. Can someone experience in trademark law? Like, if you're a real lawyer, can we put that on a shirt, or will uh, will the wedding crashers people sue us? Because I will so put that on a mug. Ma, <laughs> I will. That would be funny as hell, but I don't want to get sued. I'm not that. We don't make enough money on the t-shirts to take that risk, you know. Okay, two more big takeaways. That was good. Now, out again, talking about the mechanics. Remember, the mechanics, who called the FBI, who took the call, the allegations are a separate thing. There are two parts to paragraph one of how this case started, and paragraph one is the controversy. How the case started is the controversy, because the allegations for Trump-Russian collusion are not based on anything in paragraph one of any substance at all. (laughs) On the mechanics thing, we now finally, finally have an answer about a name you probably haven't heard here in, gosh, four or five months. One of the questions about the corroboration circle. Now we know multiple people contacted the FBI, but we know they needed to corroborate the information or at least attempt to before they walked into the court because they didn't want to be humiliated. One of the people in that circle that we've suspected for a long time and a name that creeped up yesterday was... Bruce Orr. Oh. I heard that yesterday. I'm sitting there and my jaw dropped. Now, the drama yesterday when his name creeped up in the hearing, if you saw it, was incredible. And, Joe, I'm going to try to pull this one for Monday. I'm sorry, but I had so much sound today. I want to make sure I explain it to you. I'll, I'll get the sound by and I'll explain a little bit more, um, hopefully on the Monday show. All right. But at one point during the hearing, Jordan asks again. Okay, and remember, he's focusing on the mechanics because Jordan knows the mechanics. He says, listen, who gave it to you? And he says at one point, did you have any contact with Bruce Orr? Who is Bruce Orr so you know? Because the drama will make sense. Bruce Orr is a high-ranking official at the Department of Justice. This guy is, he's the man. Orr is intimately involved in the Department of Justice with a number of high-level matters. Bruce Orr's wife, Nellie, is working at Fusion GPS, who's working for Hillary Clinton to go generate fake information on Trump. Track me here, folks. Hillary Clinton hires Fusion GPS. Go get us bad information on Trump. Fusion GPS goes and hires the wife of a DOJ official, Nellie Orr, whose husband, Bruce, works in the DOJ. Now we find out, Chuck Grasley memorandum, by the way, has exposed this, that Orr met with the FBI up to 12 times. Wait, what? So, pathway number two, the Glenn Simpson Fusion GPS pathway, had a, air quotes here, independent corroboration track through the Orr's who were potentially feeding information to the FBI, but again, it's the same information coming in. Oh no, Joe, it's all good because now it's coming from the DOJ and Bruce Orr. It's not coming from Bruce Orr. It's coming from Fusion GPS and Simpson and Steele. It's the same stuff. Or is it? Is it the same stuff? Ladies and gentlemen, even worse. What if it's not? What if it's not the same stuff, Joe, but it's the same source? In other words, it all goes back to Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, and Christopher Steele, a company hired to generate information, negative information, by Hillary Clinton about Donald Trump. This is all sourced back to them, but what if the information that went through Simpson to his uh, his meetings with... He denies meeting with the FBI, by the way. But that's not what the emails say. Stroke's email said they got information from Simpson. So someone's lying. What if the information from McCain and the information from David Korn is kind of a head fake and the real dirt passed through the back channel 
oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Is it? Because we now have FBI documented 302s, according to the Grassley letter. In other words, summaries of interviews, 12 of them, that the FBI did with Bruce Orr, whose wife was working at Fusion GPS, who was working for Hillary Clinton. Hey, fellas, I got a really bad series of memos. This stuff, here's the virus, X-Files, David Duchovny talk. I got a way to get this to the Bureau. Here's the thing. We can't send this through official channels because the information's so stupid that people who have you know two functioning brain cells will figure out how politically motivated and ridiculous it is. So I got an idea. Let's bring on this guy's wife. Nellie, she has contacts with Bruce and DOJ. If we have her give it to Bruce, Bruce can then give the information to the FBI and it gives it an air of authenticity. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) Guinness guy. Maybe that's where the Mars invasion conspiracy theory against Trump information came from. Now, I know the liberals listening. Ah, That's just a conspiracy theory. Is it really? Because yesterday during the hearing, we had an illuminating moment where Jimmy J, Jimbo, is questioning Peter Stroke. He asks him specifically, did Bruce Orr pass any materials to the FBI? Incredible moment because Stroke looks puzzled for a moment and doesn't want to answer the question. Jim asks him multiple times during the day. And at one point, I guess the FBI, who is unquestionably watching the hearing on C-SPAN or Fox or whatever they were doing, just like I was, he turns around and one of the lawyers hands him either a piece of paper or like a, lets him see a phone message. I couldn't see exactly what they were doing. But he comes back to the mic, Stroke, and Stroke says, I am now authorized by the FBI to answer that question. Jordan, by the way, Joe, I know we don't have a ditto cam. We may soon. Jordan's like this. He rolls back in a chair like, like what? What do you mean they're letting you answer the question? I think Jordan was astonished because we're so used to getting. Now, again, when I don't know, I don't know. And I want to be candid with you. I don't know. I don't know why the FBI, in the middle of the testimony, texted or emailed the lawyer at the thing and said, hey, just let him say it. I don't know. Um, My guess is because, and I'm guessing here, Jordan already knows and they were afraid that Jordan was going to keep going with it and basically tell the story without Stroke even answering the question. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, I think Mm -hmm. at this point they figured we better take a bath on this now before this gets ugly. Gotcha. Yep. Stroke comes back to the mic. I can answer the question. Jordan's astonished. He says, Jordan says, asks him again. He says, did Bruce Orr hand you materials at the FBI? And Stroke says, yes, he did. Folks, I almost fell off the chair. Because now I even tweeted out. I go, and there it is, folks. The information superhighway, as we discussed from episode 628 to like 640. The information superhighway. Where and how did information get train tracked, planed, or automobiled into the FBI circumventing official channels? Now we have confirmation. It's Corn, it's McCain's team, it's Fusion GPS, and it is in fact the Oars, who I am quoting for all you leftist nonsense idiots out there. I'm sorry, but you're dope sometimes who deny this. It is now on the record and under oath that yes, materials were in fact passed from Bruce Orr to the FBI whose wife was working for the company, working for Hillary Clinton. Bombshell, tier one level neutron bomb. (sighs) Okay. One last thing. I'm going to go over a little bit today, but this is important. Peace in the Daily Caller at the show notes. I've got some great ones today on this. I picked out the best of the best. I've got some really good articles there today. Chuck Ross, Daily Caller, hat tip again, who's been knocking it out of the park, wrote a little write-up about Louis Gohmert. Not Gohmert. The only, my only regret about Gohmert questioning Stroke's lack of integrity. Mm-hmm. I applaud him for doing so, by the way. But my only regret is Gohmert said something before that, Joe. You didn't even know this, did you? That was no. even more explosive. And it got lost in the back and forth over Stroke's infidelity. Gomert's talking a stroke and reveals information we had not heard publicly before. 
Gomert says, um, Agent Stroke, he starts questioning him about the ICIG. Who's the ICIG? The Intelligence Community Inspector General. Basically, the internal affairs for the intelligence community. Apparently, there's an internal affairs report that was uh, put together and compiled from the intelligence community IG that says that Hillary Clinton's emails from her private server were being routed to an email address that was not on the two stuff. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, someone inserted some renegade program into Hillary Clinton's server to divert her email traffic to a foreign country. Oh, oh, as I back away from the mic to not rip your eardrums out. Really? What? Now, if you listen to this show two years ago, Joe and I uh, had a source. That was unimpeachable that told us Hillary's server been hacked. But let's assume you just started listening recently and this is new news to you, which to you regular listeners, it's not. Now we have confirmation from Gomert. Read this Daily Caller story. It'll blow your mind. We now have confirmation that there was some kind of renegade program inserted into Hillary's system that routed her emails to a foreign country. Now, I've got... um, I can't even forgive me because I can't hint to it would be disingenuous, but I've got some good people on this. Folks, this is bad. Now, to be clear from what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is it it's not Russia. Gomert actually said that in the meeting. And it is not a Middle Eastern country. That's what I'm hearing from what we know. Now, what that country is apparently is going to be and the organization involved with it is going to be tier 1.5 hydrogen bomb level stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you understand what this means? Our secretary of state set up a personal bathroom in her house server operation which was infiltrated by a foreign actor that foreign actor who then routed her emails over to them so they could basically read all of her traffic wow nothing to see there folks don't you worry one bit and sadly that got lost a little bit um, because of the other stuff. But I think it was necessary. Gomert needed to go after it. Read that report by the Daily Caller. Because that story... Let me just leave you with this on that. There's going to be a lot more that comes out about that. And they are going to have nowhere to hide. Now, folks, one last thing. I was I was hosting for Mark the other night. And people called in. A couple callers. I know you listen to my show, too. So you may actually be listening now. And said, is there ever going to be justice here? I think so. Um, I'm not sure. But I think so. And the reason I think so is I'm going to include in the show notes today. Because there's one more talking point I have to get rid of. Liberals repeatedly yesterday, and even some Republicans who have not done their homework at that hearing, keep insisting that if the line of defense now for Peter Stroke, folks, let me line them, let me tee this up for you, is going to be Joe. Well, if Stroke had bias, he would have leaked the uh, he would have leaked, or the FBI would have leaked the existence of the Trump investigation before the campaign, like they spoke about the Hillary campaign uh, investigation or Hillary's email investigation. They would have done damage. Are we clear on this? Let me make. I'm just going to repeat this one more time. The line of defense now for Stroke, because the Democrats realize with this Bruce Orr information, the information superhighway, and the paragraph one mechanics and allegations that they're in a world of trouble. Because they realize now that at 30,000 feet, they investigated the Trump team with the full weaponization of the United States government, despite a single scintilla of credible evidence that the Trump team did anything wrong. They know they're in trouble. To defend Stroke, they're going to say, because they did it yesterday. And some Republicans, for some reason, do not they don't know this. They're going to say, well, if he really wanted to hurt the Trump team, like you're saying he does, he would have leaked that investigation before the election and hurt Trump's electoral chances. And that's not what they did. They leaked the investigation into Hillary through the press conference July 5th by Jim Comey. Folks, 
They did leak the investigation. I want you to pull up on your computer, your iPhone, your iPad, or whatever it is in the show notes today. I think it's the second article down. A New York Times piece dated October 31st, 2016. Not 17, not 18, not 2024, not 1986. October 31st, it is a genuine link from the New York Times about the existence of the Trump investigation. Not only was it leaked, it was leaked right before the November, early November election to do maximum damage against the Trump team. Why Republicans don't know this and don't bring this up every time that stupid allegation, oh, you didn't leak anything against the Trump team, put it on your phone and nicely pull it up to your liberal friends and go, it wasn't leaked? What is that? What, what is it? You know what? Here, let me read this to you. Hold on. Before we go, I just want to read you the headline in case you missed this, okay? <sighs> Sorry. You can leave this in, Joe. I don't think people mind. It's just important we get this. Here we go. NewYorkTimes.com, October 31st, 2016. Scrolling to the top, the article was written by Eric Lickblau and Stephen Lee Myers. Investigating Donald Trump, FBI sees no clear link to Russia. Read the piece. It describes in detail the investigation into Donald Trump. Liberals continue to insist was not leaked to the media. It was leaked. So that talking point is garbage, too. Now, I don't know Stroke himself leaked it. But there's absolutely zero question that the existence of the Trump investigation was leaked. That is factually a garbage talking point. We didn't even get to the Gowdy one, Joe. So uh, I'm, hopefully on Monday we can dig in a little more on this. Yeah. And I'd really like to hammer that or stuff. But I think that is a good, healthy 30,000 foot view of exactly what happened yesterday and the devastating position the democrats find themselves in the paragraph one mechanics were unofficial were awful were off the books and were kept hidden because they didn't want to vet the information and the paragraph one allegations are now turning out to be all bs meaning our government was weaponized in a grotesque political attack all right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Please, please subscribe to my podcast. I'm humbly asking you to do that. It helps us move up the charts. That's how people find us. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. It's uh, the follow button on iHeart. Subscribe on all of them if you don't mind. We appreciate it. SoundCloud as well. Um, it helps us a lot. Uh, thank you very much. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at dbongino.